Welcome to Explore Yellowstone Like a Local, the number one podcast for Yellowstone and Grand Teton National Parks and home to the top-rated guidebook of the same name. And I am your author as well as your host for this and all the other podcasts, Teddy Garland. And this podcast is one that has been requested uh, dozens of times, and it's to cover all of the waterfalls in Yellowstone and Grand Teton National Parks. And uh, it's kind of an interesting podcast. I think it's going to be a really good one for you guys. And, you know, because I kind of gloss over all of these waterfalls when we're talking about a certain area. Like you're going to drive, you're going to come up and you're going to drive by Gibbon Falls. And I tell you how to get back, get down to Gibbon Falls. But then I go on to something else up the road of Gibbon Falls. So I'm going to kind of just, just talk about waterfalls for you guys. So it should be a fun little podcast and uh, kind of did my homework and got all the information that I, you know, kind of knew, but I wanted to make sure I got all the heights right and where they were and all that kind of stuff and to kind of discuss all of the the park's waterfalls with you guys. And we'll also discuss a a handful of them in in, uh, Grand Teton. I'll also cover a little spot I really like to get to called Big Springs, which really isn't a waterfall, but it's the birth of a river. It's really an interesting spot and was almost included inside the boundaries of Yellowstone Park all the way back in 1872. But they just decided to leave it out because they wanted to make a straight line down the west side over there. Let's get it started with this podcast and just in case you're picking up on this podcast and just so happens to be the very first podcast you listen to, I've got about 20 some odd podcasts out there about Yellowstone and Grand Teton National Park, but it's just just by chance this is your first podcast you've ever listened to. Explore Yellowstone Like a Local is a, a guidebook that has been called the best guidebook ever written for Yellowstone Park. And everybody should go to our and join the Explore Yellowstone Like a Local Facebook group. And that's where you guys that go to Yellowstone Park post your pictures and, and kind of give a, a synopsis review of what you guys did and, and how everybody kind of answers questions and helps people out and we see them and we answer your guys' questions and and help you, everybody out. Everybody's having a great time in Yellowstone Park and you can see everybody's pictures on there and it's really turned out to be a really cool addition to the yeah, Explore Yellowstone Like a Local franchise, if you will. And it, it's really, you can see how the guidebook is really helping people out. So just in case you're picking up on this podcast is just the very first podcast you're listening to. You got a lot of podcasts to listen to about Yellowstone and Grand Teton because Yellowstone Park's huge. You got to break it down into manageable bites and that's what the guidebook does for you guys. And I'm not going to get into all that stuff because we get into all of that in the other podcasts. So but everybody should go to that Facebook group, Explore Yellowstone like a local.com, and join. Even if you've already been to the park, it really gives you a, a, a platform to post your guys' pictures of everybody having fun in the park and leave a review of the guidebook on there. And then, But it helps people that are just getting ready to go or might go next year or the year after to kind of see what you guys did, the fun you guys had, and uh, see all the pictures and stuff that you guys post. And some of these pictures you guys are posting are way good. I mean, absolutely top-notch. We've requested from a numerous of you guys when we redo the guidebook. We kind of update the guidebook every winter for, for the next season. It'll be for the 2024 season. Some of the pictures you guys are posting on that Explore Yellowstone Facebook group are unreal. I mean, you guys are a lot better photographers than Lisa and I. I can promise. I don't know what you guys are shooting those pictures with, but it sure doesn't look like it's a dang iPhone. 
man, they are good. So, all right, so let's get started with all the waterfalls in Yellowstone National Park. And I'm going to kind of go over some really interesting stuff in this podcast. So, all right, let's get rolling. All right, there are over 300 waterfalls in Yellowstone Park, and uh, over half of them are in the Beckler area, which is the down in the southwest corner of Yellowstone Park, and it's a hiking area only. That, uh, as anybody's listened to my podcast in the past, know it's one of my favorite areas in Yellowstone Park. Except you can only walk it. You park your car at the Beckler Ranger Station, and you take off walking, hiking, pretty preferably overnight hiking, because some of the best waterfalls are nine plus miles from your car, so it's best to overnight in, in, in the area back there. One day, I predict that they're going to have some access back there. I, I hope not. I don't know how they would control that area. It's a, a very wet area. You can't really access it till the end of July or the first week of August at, at the soonest, because all the park's waterfalls flow into that area. It's called Cascade Corner, and it's in a big meadow down there, and it stays wet most of the time. It's a beautiful area. You can see the Tetons off in the distance and all that, but about half the park's waterfalls are down in that area. That's why they call it Cascade Corner. So all of these waterfalls are covered in a book called aptly named Yellowstone Waterfalls. And it's by three guys. And one of them is named Lee Whittlesley. And I hope I'm pronouncing his name correctly. And uh, he is actually a fellow Okie like myself. And he came from Oklahoma up to Yellowstone Park back in 1969 as a young kid and ended up staying. And he is probably, without question, the foremost authority on, on Yellowstone Park. And people say that, you know, tell me that uh, not many people know more about Yellowstone Park than I do. But I promise you, Lee Whittlesley does for sure. And I've read every book he's ever written. Uh, I would love to meet the guy one day. He's retired now. He was the head park ranger and all kinds of stuff. He just went there on vacation and fell in love with the place. And he, he says, you know, numerous times that, you know, you just can't ever get enough of Yellowstone Park. It, it'll never grow old. And it doesn't. It doesn't for me at all. And it didn't for him. And I hope it doesn't for you guys. But he and these other two guys wrote this book called Yellowstone Waterfalls. And I loved it. I thought it was great. It got me to go find a lot of these waterfalls. But they got a lot of criticism. And I, I think under Duly, because some of them were seasonal. They were only in the springtime, and and that's okay as far as I'm concerned. Who cares if they're just seasonal? But but a lot of people got gave them grief for that, and a lot of them are that they list or show are are just. I mean, you you talk about some hard hikes. They're off trail through brush and hill and dale and for miles and not knowing where you're going and looking for on a compass heading and all this kind of stuff. And I sent some people to some, you know, out of the way places in the guidebook like Gibbon Meadows geyser hike is just beautiful to get to uh Evening Primrose Spring and some of those other geysers, but it's easy. It's it's easy to get to. It's an easy walk. You know, it's not that far. Hell, you'll be back in your car in two or three hours. But some of these waterfalls that those guys found and get you to are. I've tried to get to some of them. Ozell Falls and down in the Beckler area down there. God, I mean, you you've got to swim across rivers. I mean, literally swim across a river and come up a few hundred yards downstream, put all your stuff back on, and then hike through God knows what kind of hell for 
four or five hours each direction to go find this waterfall back in this little canyon. But those guys did it, and they've got pictures of them in that book. If you guys are ever interested in, in seeing every waterfall that's in Yellowstone National Park, then you guys need to get a copy of that book, Yellowstone Waterfalls. I mean, I've got one sitting right on my coffee table at my cabin. It's it's really cool. It's a fantastic book, and, and it's written by which is without question the most authority figure that's ever been in Yellowstone Park, as far as I'm concerned, and that's Lee Whittlesley. So, yeah, it's it's a great book. So, But I'm not going to go over waterfalls that you guys can't get to. Nobody's going to go down there, and I mean, I can't even get to some of them. Man, I'm about as daredevil as they get. So I'm going to just start at the start, which is the Yellowstone River, and we're going to kind of work our way through the park. We're going to cover the Yellowstone River and the Grand Canyon, and then we're going to cover the Black Canyon that goes downstream not many people to see the black canyon but i'm going to tell you guys how to get there and how to see it and all that kind of stuff and and where it is and just kind of cover all these waterfalls and then we're going to kind of work our way around the north end of the park middle of the park and then the south end of the park and then we're going to cover a little bit grand teton and then of course that last thing i mentioned big spring so all right so with all that said let's get started on yellowstone waterfalls and we're going to start with the big bad ones first so here we go All right, the first thing we're going to cover is the Yellowstone River. And uh, not many people ever get to see the headwaters of the Yellowstone River. It's uh, way up the northeast arm. If you're sitting there at the Lake Hotel, you can look off to your left across Yellowstone Lake and see back up in that northeast arm. It is extremely difficult to get to. You can't take a powerboat back there. You have to take a powerboat and then a canoe or a kayak to get back in there. They have a limit on where the, the motorboat can take you. I've only been back there one time in my entire life, and I've been up there for over 60 years, and uh, it is difficult to get to. It's difficult to get to shore once you get back there because it's all marshy and shallow and everything else. It's a tough spot to get to. It's tough to hike to, too. It's about a 15-mile hike in any direction to get back there to it. But it starts back up in this area called the thoroughfare area. And the thoroughfare area, and I've mentioned this in the, in the guidebook and in numerous podcasts, is in Yellowstone Park, and it's the most seldom seen spot in the entire 48 lower states, and it's in Yellowstone Park. I, I just find that incredible. And you can actually see it from the Lake Hotel back off in the distance. You know, it's about 15 miles back in there, but you can kind of see back over there. And it's a very difficult area to get to. So Yellowstone River starts back up there, and it meets in with the aptly named Thoroughfare Creek to pour into that northeast arm and go into Yellowstone Lake. And Yellowstone Lake's uh, classified as Inland Sea. It's so big and so deep. Tell the story in the, in the podcast about the all the Boy Scouts that drown out there, and there's all kinds of accidents. I've almost drowned on that thing twice. It'll get your attention, I promise you. And so, but once it gets through, out of Yellowstone Lake, it just slowly meanders through and, and starts the Yellowstone River. It really doesn't even look like a river. It finally starts moving through there. And about a few miles north of Yellowstone Lake, and the road goes right by all this, you can just see the river start to form and start narrowing down. You can start to see some waves in the river. The first thing you come to and the first waterfall we're going to ever talk about is Lahardy Rapids. And it only falls about five or six feet, but the Lahardy Rapids is actually kind of interesting. What it is is a geological fault that crosses the river right there. One side's lifting 
lifting up and the other side is staying still. And the side that is lifting up is creating the Lahardi Rapids right through there. They go down about 40 or 50 feet and, and drop about, like I say, six or eight feet. But that is the natural dam for Yellowstone Lake. That's what creates the dam for Yellowstone Lake. Yellowstone Lake will never get any higher than the upper edge of Lahardi Rapids. And again, it's rising a little bit every year. Geologically speaking, it rises about an inch a year, I believe. And that's pretty fast. There's a lot of stuff happens fast in Yellowstone Park because of the ground getting pushed up from all the thermal activity underneath it. I mean, there's some areas in Yellowstone Park, some domes that rise up two to four inches, even high, four to five inches a year. And that is just a Formula One speed car, uh, geologically speaking, of the ground rising up. But there are a number of domes in Yellowstone Park that do that, including some in the bottom of Yellowstone Lake. But that's the first thing you're going to come to on the Yellowstone River is the Lahardy Rapids. And you can see it from your car. You don't even need to stop and pull over. You can kind of see them from your car. But if you wanted to take a look at that, that's that's what that is. And so you'll continue on downstream north towards the canyon area, towards canyon area. You'll go past Fishing Bridge and all that stuff. And once you're heading over towards Artist Point, you will cross over the Chittenden Bridge. And the Chittenden Bridge was named after... Hiram Chittenden, who took over in 1891 from Lieutenant Craig Hill, who first started to lay out the, the roads in the park, but really didn't know what he was doing. And Hiram Chittenden was an engineer. He really, really knew what he was doing. In fact, most of the roads you guys are driving on in Yellowstone Park are, are still where he laid them out. I mean, I would say 90% of the park roads are still the roads that he laid out starting back in 1891. And I want to read you guys an excerpt from what he said about working in Yellowstone Park in 1894. Uh, this is what he, he told somebody about building the roads in Yellowstone Park. It's actually kind of funny. All right, here we go. The first difficulty arises from the wretched nature of the material through which the roads pass. Unquestionably, there is no other spot of equal area on the face of the earth where there is such a remarkable variety of substances and such curious combinations in the composition of the soil. He may expect to encounter in any single mile of road construction all the varieties of work which he would find in building a turnpike from Portland, Maine to Portland, Oregon. Lieutenant Hiram Chittenden, U.S. Army, Army Corps of Engineers, 1894. And uh, yeah, they're always working on fixing the roads in Yellowstone Park because they heave and swell. And he's right. It's just, it's a, it's a geologist's wet dream Yellowstone Park is with all the stuff that's going on. But yeah, building a road through is probably just a train wreck. So, but when you cross over the Chittenden Bridge, if you can look to your right and your left, you will see the Yellowstone River really start picking up speed. It is a getting it through here. And these rapids are the first set of rapids or cascades of the Yellowstone River before it starts to tumble over the upper and lower falls. And literally from the Chittenden Bridge down about two blocks, maybe three blocks, is the 109-foot Upper Falls. And I tell you guys in the guidebook a number of ways to see the Upper Falls besides getting down to the main viewing platform, which is fabulous. But I tell you a way to get on the uh, the South Rim Trail to actually see it from a trail and not be stuck up there with a lot of people. But the Upper Falls falls 109 feet. And just to kind of give you guys an idea of how big that is, Niagara Falls in New York's 167 feet. So it's, uh, you know, about 
70% as high as Niagara Falls. And then right down around the corner, now about a block downstream, the river plunges over the upper falls. And again, and the guy, I'll tell you guys an interesting story here that I tell you the story about that Norwegian lady that back in, God, 1980-something, you know, took her shoes off upstream, jumped in the river and went over the falls and, and killed herself. And nobody found a note or anything. I kind of tell that story in the guidebook. And that Lee Whittlesley, just FYI, you guys, wrote an interesting book that kind of covers all all of the people got killed in Yellowstone Park called Death in Yellowstone, Foolhardiness in Yellowstone Park. He wrote that book. If you guys want to find that book, it's for sale everywhere in Yellowstone Park. But uh, Lee Whittlesey wrote Death in Yellowstone, and that's where I, I kind of gathered some of it. I knew a lot of information, but promise you, that book by Lee Whittlesey is fantastic about the death. If you like the macabre, Death in Yellowstone, it's really cool. So you get, get around the corner, and then there are the Lower Falls. And the Lower Falls fall 308 feet, which is roughly twice as high as Niagara right there. And you once you start into the, you see the lower falls, then you're in the grand, what is called the Grand Canyon of the Yellowstone. And that's where they have the yellow colors, the Golden Canyon and all that stuff. And that's where Artist Point is, Red Rock Point, and all those different viewing platforms of the Grand Canyon of the Yellowstone. So that's where that is. All right, and then you, there's really not much to see, and it's really hard to see the Yellowstone River for about 10 miles, and it heads back north and then starts heading northwest like it's swinging back towards Mammoth Hot Springs area over there in Gardner. And so you've got the only next good place to see the Yellowstone actually do something. You'll drive over it like you're heading up to the northeast entry road, but you just it's not doing much through there. Really want to see the Yellowstone River start Start getting it again, then you need to walk down the Hell Roaring Creek Trail. And the Hell Roaring Creek Trail is one of my favorite hikes in the spring. And I send you a lot of you guys down there to the Hell Roaring Creek Trail, get 2H2, the campground, and all that stuff that's at the confluence of the Hell Roaring River and the Yellowstone River. And you go down, and about within 30 minutes of walking from your car, you'll cross over the expansion bridge that goes over the Black Canyon. And I'm telling you guys, right below you, that Yellowstone River narrows up to about 30 feet maybe, and it is absolutely churning and getting it and moving. It is beautiful through there, and this expansion bridge is really, really cool. You can get right on top of it, take some great pictures. It's a great spot for a picnic lunch right there on the opposite bank, and you're just sitting there with your feet dangling over this cliff about 100 feet up above the river. It is a killer spot. So I go over all that in the guidebook with you guys, and then if you go down, that is the start of the Black Canyon of the Yellowstone is about right there at that expansion bridge on the Hell Roaring Creek Trail. And then I tell you how the easiest way to get down to 2H2, which is the confluence of the Hell Roaring and the Yellowstone. There's this huge black sand beach down there. Looks like you're in Hawaii and all the stuff. And I tell you how to get up on this upper area right there and looking down the stream and all that stuff. It is a beautiful spot. There's a great area right through there. But that is the black canyon of the, of the Yellowstone. And it's seldom seen because you have to walk down there and get to it. But that is the easiest place to see it. And then on downstream about, gosh, 
10 more miles or so, so is the next set of falls on, on the Yellowstone River, and pretty much the last set of falls on the Yellowstone River is Knowles Falls. And Knowles Falls kind of twists off to the right and swings back around. And uh, I, I'm going to do a, a podcast about a friend of mine that visited Yellowstone Park, and I'm going to try to get that posted in the next week or so about a guy named Mark Valet, and he's deceased. He's a good friend of mine from here in Oklahoma. I came up there, and we hiked down to Knowles Falls. So I'm not going to get into that here because I'm going to cover it in that other podcast, but it is a f- really funny, really, really interesting podcast about uh, the adventures of Mark Valet in Yellowstone Park and where we went and all the stuff, fun stuff we did in Yellowstone Park. And so I'm not going to get into that here because this will be lengthy enough as it is. But Knowles Falls, when you know, isn't that impressive? But when a river as big as the Yellowstone falls 15 feet, it, it just it's just getting it. And it twists around right there. It's really worth cool. It's a really, really beautiful, beautiful set of waterfalls down through there. And you can camp right there next to it. It's really, really pretty. So, And then right past Knowles Falls, a few more miles, you run into the town of Gardner. Past Gardner, the Yellowstone River outside the park starts really getting after it. And that's where a bunch of rapids are. And you can get with that. There's a whole chapter in the guidebook about whitewater rafting. And I'll tell you the company to go with, which is Flying Pig and all that stuff and go to the corral and get a hamburger and have a hamburger from the place that was the muse for Jimmy Buffett and writing the song A Cheeseburger in Paradise and all that stuff. So, But uh, yeah, that, that kind of covers and that gets us out of the park on the Yellowstone River and covers all the falls in that area and in Yellowstone, on the Yellowstone River right there. So uh, let's get into another river that's up there on the north end of the park, and that is the Gardner River next. All right, so the Gardner River is right there around Mammoth Hot Springs, and the Yellowstone River kind of swings a little bit north of Mammoth Hot Springs. So I kind of try to group these in areas and kind of keep them together as we work our way through the park so you guys can kind of stick with me on where I'm at. But uh, the Gardner River starts... A few miles south of Mammoth, over there by Electric Peak, when you kind of get up into the Swan Lake Flats right past the uh, Sheep Eater Cliff area right there, Electric Peak is the big peak off to your left right there. And it's named Electric Peak because when they were laying out the boundaries for Yellowstone Park and exploring Yellowstone Park, uh, two engineers or two surveyors were up on Electric Peak and they got hit by lightning and electrocuted, hence the name Electric Peak. And so it mixes in with, uh, Gardner River mixes in with a Fawn Creek, Panther Creek, Indian Creek, and then Obsidian Creek, very near the Sheep Eater Cliff area over there. And, and then it soon pulls over and goes down Osprey Falls. And Osprey Falls is a beautiful 150-foot tall falls. I go to Osprey Falls at least once or twice every year. I love getting down to Osprey Falls. You guys that are that have bought a guidebook have that QR code in the back. You guys need to go look at the at the video we shot for Osprey Falls. It is off the charts cool. It is just unreal. It's just roaring behind me. And you, and you, I mean, it's coming down so big, you just get soaking wet. It's a ball, man. Osprey Falls is badass. I mean, I've been on the cover of National Geographic not once, but twice back in the day. So that's how cool Osprey Falls is. I mean, it's really, really, really hip. On down the road a little bit, There's if you keep on going past the turnoff for Osprey Falls, right there, you get into the Golden Gate Canyon area. 
And there's a set of falls right by the road. A lot of people stop and take these pictures of these falls that are real easy to get to. It takes about, you know, if you're going to walk about an hour to get to Osprey Falls, we always ride bikes over there and cut the time down a little bit. But, you know, a lot of people want to, you know, to see an easy waterfall. And the waterfall right there in the Golden Gate Canyon obviously fits that bill because it's right by your car. A lot of there's a little turnout right there. But everybody calls that the Golden Gate Falls, but it's not. It's called Rustic Falls. And it's a little tiny stream. It's only about four or five feet wide, but it drops 47 feet. And you're in this, what's called the Golden Gate Canyon area right there. A little interesting tidbit about that. And speaking of Hiram Chittenden a little while ago, that road bebops through that canyon and it cantilevers out over. Over the canyon. It's just like hanging hanging in midair. And back in the day when they laid out the roads, they built that road out of wood and, and had it supported with wood poles, you know, tree branches coming up through there and uh, supporting that thing. And they drove buggies on it, horses and everything else. And with the advent of the car, they drove cars on it back in back in the day, in the, in the ni- 1920s, and uh, came through there. But yeah, that thing used to be made out of wood, still cantilevered out of that road. That Hiram Chittenden had it going on, man. He had his head on straight, I promise you. Another f- set of waterfalls in that area around the Mammoth area is uh, Lava Creek. And Lava Creek is up towards, once if you leave Mammoth going east, like you're heading to Tower, it's got two really nice sets of waterfalls. All right, the first is the 79-foot-tall Wraith Falls. And Wraith Falls is kind of a cascade. We shot a video. Again, you guys can go see all these on our private YouTube page, everybody that's bought a guidebook. And this is one of my top hikes for small kids. It's really, really easy. It takes about 10 minutes to get back there for an adult, 12, 15 minutes for a small kid. I mean, you know, four-year-old toddler to go bebopping back to Wraith Falls. It's an easy trail, well-worn, lots of marmots hanging out on it and chipmunks and ground squirrels, and they've just got, you know, hope to come out there and say hi to you and you're walking down the trail. Wraith Falls is a great hike for little kids, and they'll think they conquered Mount Everest once they go see it. And one you can see right from the road or get a, a decent view of it right from the road is Undyne Falls. And Undyne Falls has got a pull-off right there below Wraith Falls a little bit. And Undyne Falls is a 60-foot kind of trip cascade that goes down through there. The Undyne Falls has also been on the cover of National Geographic back in the day, I think back in the 40s or 50s. But uh, yeah, that is a beautiful falls. But the trees have kind of grown up around the viewing area and the Park Service isn't going to cut down a tree so people can see better. Everything's everything's natural. And so Undyne, there's a great picture of Undyne Falls in the guidebook. Yeah, Undyne Falls is really, really pretty. And again, it's if anything that's been on the cover of National Geographic's got my attention for sure. And also, just just FYI, if you're in the little town of Gardner, if you will work your way, if you're heading down towards the bridge that goes over the or goes over the Yellowstone River, excuse me, and then like it's heading out of town, like you're heading down to the corral. Before you go over the the, the bridge, go over the the bridge that goes over with Yellowstone River going underneath you. Turn right on one of those streets right there. There's like three streets. And just turn right and go to the very end of them down there. You'll go past a bunch of houses and all this kind of yada yada. But back there in the back, and there's no sign marking it or anything else, but the little town of Gardner has put in a little parking lot. You can There's a place to park about eight or ten cars in there, and then they've got a little trail and a little display area. But you can walk down this really easy trail about 
five minutes, and it gets you down to the confluence of the Gardner River and where it meets up with the Yellowstone River. And the Gardner River's plunging down through there and tumbling through boulders. You can walk out on these boulders and stuff, and the Yellowstone's off to your left. There's a big beach area right down through there. It's really cool, and for some reason... Hardly anybody knows about it, but it, it's a great little spot to get down to and see the Yellowstone River up close and see the Garden River where they meet. It's it's a really pretty spot, and, they, and they've got this neat little parking area they've built for it and everything else, but they don't promote it for some God knows reason. So, But anyway, that's just, you know, now you guys know. It's just, if you guys are in Gardner for any reason at all, then, then bebop over there and check that out. So, All right, the next river we're going to go over is the Lamar River, and the Lamar River starts up at the Northeast Entry Road and then bebops down through and then kind of meets in with Power Creek and we're going to cover that next. So let's do the Lamar River and with that, once we finish that, we'll kind of have covered the north end of Yellowstone Park. All right, the Lamar River starts up on that Northeast Entry Road just south of Soda Butte at the Soda Butte turnoff, the Lamar River kind of swings in from the east and kind of runs back west right through there. Uh, not Soda Butte, but the Soda Butte turnoff, which is a little south of there. However, in the guidebook, I tell you guys when you guys are out hunting bears and wolves to go up to Pebble Creek. And Pebble Creek's worth looking at anyway because it exposes what was used to be on the, the floor of the ocean up there. However, when you're done walk at Pebble Creek walking back to your car, Right out in front of you, right across the road, looking at a cross right there, is the Thunderer. And the Thunderer is a 10,558-foot-tall peak sitting in a valley that's about 6,000, 7,000 feet. And so in May... And June and even into the first week in July, if they've had a lot of snow because the thunder is so tall, there are a series of, of four or five or six or seven seasonal waterfalls through there that exceed 3,000 feet. The, the tallest one would be 3,500 feet, making them the tallest waterfalls in all of Yellowstone Park. There's a there's a waterfall in the canyon area called Silver Cord, but it's again it's seasonal. It dries up, and but it's 2,000 feet. And if you'll look up the tallest waterfall in Yellowstone Park, they say it's Silver Cord. But I'm telling you, these waterfalls that come off the Thunderer are are a thousand feet taller than that. They are unbelievable. They drop and drop and drop, and there's about four or five of them coming down these canyons. Off off the thunder over there, and to me, obviously, because of their height, they're the, they makes them the tallest waterfalls in all of Yellowstone Park. They are seasonal, but but they are to me, they're the tallest waterfalls that exist in the park. So. All right, and as you cross into the Lamar Canyon down through there, the, there's the upper and lower Lamar Valley. So the upper Lamar Valley is where the Soda Butte is and all that, and then but the lower Lamar Valley or the first Lamar Valley. To get to that area, you have to cross through the Lamar Canyon. And the Lamar Canyon, uh, the river right there, the Lamar River through the Lamar Canyon is flat-ass getting it. That You can pull over and last about a half a mile, maybe a little longer, maybe three-quarters of a mile through there. There's a series of little pull-offs on the right. Nobody ever stops to look down there. But if you stop and look down there, the, the, the river's only about... 50, 80 feet below you. And I mean, it is just tumbling through these huge boulders and 
I mean, absolutely getting it. It is class five whitewater rapids by, by a long shot, and it's beautiful. Tree-lined canyon through there. Occasionally, you'll see some eagles messing around up in those trees, bald eagles, and and it's a good place to see bears and stuff through there too, because they get down in that area right there, and they get in the shade. They like the shade. They, you know, during the July and August and the summer, they're not going to be out there. That's another good place to see bears right through there. But that Lamar Canyon is a, is a great, great place to see some really fast moving water right there. There's no real set waterfalls, but I'm telling you, it's worth a shot. It's worth a stop to take a picture or two. I promise you. And then on downstream, the Lamar Lamar River meets up with Slough Creek, and Slough Creek's a really nice fishing area. A lot of fishermen get back to Slough Creek, and anybody that's listened to the guidebook or the podcasts or anything else, that the Slough Creek Road, before you get to the parking lot to hike up to Slough Creek, is a great place to see bears and wolves. I mean, that's where people will sit all day long and look for it, wait for a bear to poke his head out of behind a tree or a, a wolf to pop his head up out of a den. They'll sit there all day long to get a good picture of that of it that is not for me i want to drive down the road and and see i mean we we've had you guys we've had uh a guy see 10 bears. This is 2023. We had a guy see 10 bears, um, and then about three weeks later, we put a contest out there. Anybody that sees the most bears in Yellowstone Park this year, let us know. You guys jump on that Explore Yellowstone Facebook group, show the pictures of all the bears, and you guys, everybody in your groups can win free t-shirts. So, And you guys will have the record for bears being seen on our our Yellowstone Facebook page. So that's, that's a bunch of bears, and then and somebody just a few weeks later saw twelve bears in one day. Cubs count, so there's said you know it's a separate bears, you know, it's all that stuff. But yeah, twelve bears in one day in Yellowstone Park, and they said they did it by following the tips in the guidebook. That's that's a bunch of bears, so that's badass. But anybody that holds the record at the end of the year, we're gonna send everybody T-shirts and say here's the winners and here's the family of the winners and the whole deal. Just fun stuff to do while you guys are in Yellowstone Park, man. Get a free T-shirt out of the deal. So, all right, and then. Tower Creek bebops in this area as well, and everybody's seen the pictures of Tower Creek in the guidebook, and it bebops down through these hoodoos and falls down through there, and then there used to be a big boulder. There's a great picture in the guidebook of this boulder that used to sit at the top of Tower Falls, and you know, when will it fall, the sign used to say, and then it fell in the middle of the night one night back in 1990s or something like that. But the surveyors that surveyed the park back in, before the park was established, and 1872, they were betting in 10-minute increments when that that rock would fall, and uh, that they were betting their paychecks back in 1860s. Yeah, it used to be one of my mom's favorite things, but Tower Falls is obviously one of the beautiful waterfalls, and you can walk down, and, and sometimes they got the trail blocked off to get down to the base of the falls, but you guys got to remember that trail also gets you down to the shores of the Yellowstone River down there. If you just follow that and follow a little trail off to the side back there, I tell you how to do that in the guidebook. So, All right, so with that, we have now covered the Lamar River. So let's get into everything uh, else in that area. And I guess the only thing left to cover, and I'll just go over this real quickly, is the Gallatin River up the Northwest Entry Road on Highway 191, leaving from like West Yellowstone to go up to Big Sky. There, there's not a lot of waterfalls to see through there. The Gallatin River is pretty tame as it goes through Yellowstone Park. It's a beautiful drive. But when you get 
out of the park, just north of the park right there, you start getting into the Gallatin Gateway, and the Gallatin starts picking up speed pretty quickly. And then 45 minutes from West Yellowstone, you get to the Big Sky Turnoff, and that's where the whitewater rafting starts, right there. And from there, about 15 miles north towards Bozeman, there are... 40 named rapids along the the Gallatin River and, and uh, anybody that wants to go whitewater rafting that's a great the best place in, in all of the Yellowstone area Gardner Jackson Hole all of that stuff if you want to go whitewater rafting and get clean after it you, you need to go up there and we tell you the best companies to go with and everything else in the guidebook so all right so with that we have finished out everything on the north end of the park and the east end of the park starting at Yellowstone Lake and swinging up all the way to the Mammoth area and then covering everything on that whole loop of the north end of the park. So let's cover the middle of the park next. All right, so let's cover the Gibbon and Firehole Rivers next. So let's do the Gibbon first. The Gibbon headwaters are up at Greb Lake and Wolf Lake, and they're on the road between Norris and Canyon, and you can actually hike up there to Greb Lake and Wolf Lake. They're not hard hikes at all. Uh, and in fact, the Wolf Lake Trail, which starts right in the middle, right there basically between halfway between Norris and Canyon on that middle road across the middle of the Yellowstone Park right there, uh, gets you to the 40-foot-tall Little Gibbons Falls, and hardly anybody ever gets back there and sees these cute little falls right there just north of the road an easy trail this is another trail i think i'm going to add into the guidebook for little hikers because this is a easy spot to get to a seldom seen beautiful waterfall and so i'm going to add that into the guidebook for 2024 for little hikers to get back to little see little gibbon falls and uh, it's a beautiful little waterfall back there that hardly anybody ever gets to and then uh, the Gib the gibbon river will cross underneath the road right there and then quickly it'll go to down the Virginia Cascades. And Virginia Cascades only falls about 60 feet, but it's about 250 feet long. And it's on the Virginia one-way loop road for Virginia Cascades. And I always tell everybody to do that little loop road. It's a beautiful drive. Only takes about five more minutes out of your day. It's a great little spot. And then... Not a lot happens with the Gibbon River. It goes swinging by Norris and swings down the river, down through Elk Park, and there's never any elk in Elk Park, and goes goes bebopping down through there, goes past a really pretty chocolate pot. And so once you get past Norris right there, in the guidebook, I tell you where to pull over, and all you can see is a stand of trees. But there's this little cascade of the Gibbon River right through there that has a really cool active chocolate pot that is uh, the basically the needle in up in Mammoth where Teddy Roosevelt sat with his rough riders on horseback next to the needle that's a defunct sprout or chocolate pot and but there's an active one right there but you can't see it from the road because of all the trees have grown up and i'm telling you i told you the park's not going to cut down trees so people can see stuff you got to know it's back there and then they have these a weird mushroom rocks in there as well and so i, I cover that in the guidebook and i've actually taken picture stop there to, to, to take some pictures and you guys are there I've, a lot of people get back there and see that but that's some more information that's in the guidebook and this little given uh you know cascades right through there and these weird mushroom rocks and that chocolate pot and then you get 
get into the Gibbon Meadow and it kind of meanders down through there and all that stuff. And then there's not a lot of, of happening until you get all the way down to the 84-foot Gibbon Falls. And as anybody knows, Gibbon Falls is one of the great places I get you guys to to go swimming because there's thermally heated activity in the water of Gibbon River. And, you know, once it calms down starting in early, about right now, early July, and then all the way through, you know, October, the Gibbon River is warm, and the, the later in the season, the less snowmelt will be in it, and the the heated water from the thermal activity stays in there year round. So it's the later you go in the year, the warmer the water will be. And we've already had pictures of you guys sending it to us on that Explore Yellowstone Facebook group of people at the base of Gibbon Falls this year. So it's a, it's a great spot and a great place to go swimming. And you guys can remember, you guys can go, I tell you guys everywhere you can go hot potting and swimming in Yellowstone Park any day the park's open. You don't have to wait for the park to open anything by, by just following my, my swimming tips in the in the guidebook so all right so that kind of covers the gibbon nothing happens to the, to the gibbon until it gets all the way down to the confluence of the fire hole and the fire hole is a sister river i call it that's what i call it the sister river to the gibbon river and the fire hole starts all the way up at a really very difficult lake to get to i've never made it all the way back there it just kind of gets a janky area it's not very pretty at a aptly named madison lake which you know obviously these two rivers, the Gibbon and the Firehole, when they meet, that's where the Madison starts. So while it's really tough to reach Madison Lake, you can, however, reach just below Madison Lake at the headwaters for the Firehole at the Lone Star Geyser. And the Lone Star Geyser is really easy to get to. The Basically, you're on an asphalt road that goes back up there. It's a great place to ride bikes. It's one of the places I recommend you guys ride bicycles to. And then you can get up to Lone Star, and right past Lone Star, there's some great places to put your feet in the water. The Firehole River's brought eight feet wide right there, 18 inches deep, bunch of fish right through there. It's a good place to go fishing right through there. But yeah, that's a great little spot to access the headwaters of the Firehole River right next to Lone Star. And you can catch Lone Star going off if you get lucky. So then the Firehole River kind of meanders, follows that road right down through there. That's a beautiful hike or walk just to get back to Lone Star. And not many people do it. There'll be 25,000, 30,000 people over there at Old Faithful. But you go back over to Lone Star back there, it might be 20 at the most on a busy July day. Usually there's about six or eight people back up there. But hey, that's a great little spot. And you can rent bikes. I tell everybody how to rent bikes in Yellowstone Park right there at the Old Faithful you guys can ride bikes from Old Faithful up to Lone Star or throw them in the trunk of your car and drive up there and then take off and do it. But the next thing downstream from Lone Star is the Kepler Cascades. And the Kepler Cascades are all right. I'm not a real hip on them. They fall 150 feet and they go bebopping through there. I just don't think it's that pretty. But it's real easy to see. You can park right there and walk out there and see the Kepler Cascades. And that's where you park for the trailhead for Lone Star, by the way. So, And right after the Kepler Cascades, the fire hole goes underneath the road right through there, and boom, it just goes winding through the, the old faithful geyser basin. All the hot water that erupts out of all the geysers, Grand, Old Faithful, Castle, Riverside, Daisy, all the, the named geysers pour into the fire hole, hence the name the Fire Hole River. And so it, it's really, really pretty. Now, there's a spot that I tell you guys about to have a great picnic lunch in the guidebook right past morning glory pool 
And if you'll just go past Morning Glory Pool, the boardwalks end and everything else, you'll go about 100 feet. And the fire hole's off to your left. You really can't see it, but it swings back in, and you'll see this little cascade of about 8 or 10 foot drop right through there. And you can go down there and have a great picnic lunch right there. Or just go down there and sit next to the river. Nobody ever knows about it. There's little 10 foot falls. It's a great picnic spot. And you'll see it on your left down there. And I, I you know, you can walk all the way to Biscuit Basin from there as well. That's a, I cover all that in the guidebook for you guys. In fact, the next thing the fire hole zooms past is Biscuit Basin. And right there at Biscuit Basin, the Little Fire, Fire Hole River, or a lot of people call it Mystic River, is upstream and comes down from the west heading almost due east and comes and meets with the Firehole River. And up the Mystic River area, the canyon right there, or the Little Firehole River, is the 70-foot-tall Mystic Falls. And Mystic Falls is a great hot pot. It's one of the best hot pots in Yellowstone Park, and it's probably one of the easiest to get to. And I tell you guys how to get down to it and where it is and how to access it and how to hide behind this tree to change clothes and all this yada yada. It's a great little spot, man. A lot of you guys have, have gotten down there and sent us pictures of that, of the hot pot right there at the base of Mystic Falls. And there's a hot pot at the top of it if somebody happens to be in that one that has a copy of the guidebook sitting there on the ground next to where they're at. So it's a great spot for you guys. So, And on downstream, you'll go past Midway where Grand Prismatic is and all the Grand Prismatics pouring all the hot water in right through there. Right there at the Ferry Falls parking lot, which gets you to the viewing platform for Grand Prismatic, I'm not going to get into all that here, we're talking about waterfalls, is the 200-foot-tall Ferry Falls. I bet there's a thousand people get back to see Ferry Falls every day, whereas, and Ferry Falls is gorgeous, but it takes a long time to get back there. It's a long walk. It's about an hour, solid hour each way to get from the Ferry Falls parking lot back to Ferry Falls. It's a pretty good jaunt. And uh, But it does get you right past Grand Prismatic, and you can see Grand Prismatic from the upper viewing platform and all that. But Fairy Falls, there's a great picture in the guidebook of Fairy Falls, and it's really, really, really pretty. So, But right past the Fairy Falls turnoff, and then you've got Midway, Geyser Basin, and all that, where Grand Prismatic it is and all that, nothing really happens. There's no falls, no many cascades, not much goes on on the fire hole until you get down to almost about a few miles south of Madison Junction where the confluence is with the Gibbon. And the first thing you're going to come to off the road right there is the Cascades of the Fire Hole. And so you really can't see these from the road, and I tell you guys how to access them in the guidebook. And it only drops about 20 feet, but it gets in this little canyon. I tell you how to get down there, but the Cascades of the Fire Hole is really pretty, and it's very seldom seen because nobody knows where it's where it is. It's in a odd spot right off the road right there but I tell you how to get down there but the fire hole cascades are really really pretty and then you got the fire hole swimming area which is down there on, on downstream a little bit and then just past between the fire hole swimming area on downstream a little bit is the 40 foot fire hole falls and uh, the fire hole falls are beautiful it's a gorgeous waterfall right through there there's a pull off right there and it's a lot of people get over there and take pictures in front of the fire hole falls it really gets it through right there and you guys gotta remember 
and, and I kind of go over this in the guidebook, that whole area is a recent lava flow in Yellowstone Park where that all this stuff kind of bebops down through there. And I tell you, a great spot to actually see the wavy, cooled lava the, the, along the Firehole River where the Firehole is eating it out like a piece of cake and it pulled, pulled it back and you can kind of see the lava flow right there. But that lava flow is 800 feet thick. It's unbelievable. It's a really, really interesting area, geologically speaking. Really, really pretty. And the Firehole Falls are really cool, too. And right past the Firehole Falls, and right past where I tell you guys to stop and see the, the the lava flow right there, you know, that used to be one of my main stops when I was, you know, guiding in the park right there. I, right past that is the confluence where the Firehole and the Given meet. And it's really hard to see. It's hard to get down to the confluence. But in the guidebook, I tell you guys in a very, very, very important story about that confluence and the three brothers and how they met there and slept there on their last night in the park and decided that they should protect uh, all the things that they saw. Unknowingly spoke the words to, to kind of initiate the world's first national park and protect and preserve everything they had seen. So I tell that really great story. Everybody should hear the story of the three brothers. And uh, it's in that in the guidebook for you guys in spades. So, And there's really nothing happens on the Madison River all the way down. It goes right behind my house, goes into Lake Hebgen, you know, Quake Lake and all that stuff. There's some real pretty waterfall. There's a real pretty whitewater area right past Quake Lake as it falls down through there. And Quake Lake's a fast fascinating area. You're driving on top of 28 bodies that are still buried underneath the, the road right there. It's, it's, it's really cool. And so, yeah, I tell all of that stuff in the, uh, in the guidebook about how to get to the, the Quake Lake area and do the tour and all that stuff. But yeah, it's not every day you get to drive on 28 bodies. And then the, basically the Madison just goes downstream. It's a great fishing area. But if you guys are whitewater rafting aficionados and you've run the Gallatin a few times, then you need to run the Bear Trap because the Bear Trap is one of the top 10 one-day whitewater floats in America. Been voted that since the 1950s. And so about basically when whitewater rafting first started getting rolling in the United States, that is a great float for you guys. If anybody wants to go down there and do that, it is absolutely it has absolutely got it going on, you guys. I do. There's a whole podcast about the first big float uh, in the in the my list of podcasts. There's a whole story about me getting killed on that thing almost and had a near death experience on that thing. It's a gas, I promise you. <laughs> so, all right. So with that, we had co- we have now covered everything in the middle of Yellowstone Park. So now we're going to cover the southern edge of Yellowstone Park. And the first thing I'm going to do is I'm going to kind of do these. From the ease of your car, the closest to your car, to the furthest from your car. So you guys can kind of see there's all these are along the southern boundary and over in the Beckler area that we talked about earlier. But the first one is not in the Beckler area. It's right above the south entry into Yellowstone Park on the road coming up from the Tetons. And it's Moose Falls, and it's right there on Crayfish Creek. It's just about a block north of the south entry right there. And not many people stop there because it's just kind of a thoroughfare area, but he's kind of just driving through there. They're just getting up to speed after getting through the gate. Nobody wants to stop, you know, instantly to go check out Moose Falls. But Moose Falls is really cool. So we actually had some people post a question. This is July or whatever, 15th or something like that, uh, about swimming in Moose Falls. They wanted to go swim swimming in Moose Falls. However, with all the snow melt that the the park has had uh, this spring, 
the, the park service has a sign up there that says no swimming. Now that sign will come down when the water flows drop and it becomes safer. That's, that's exactly the reason why the fire hole swimming area isn't open yet because there's still so much water coming down through the fire hole swimming area. It's still not safe. So they'll open that up when the water levels drop. The Moose Falls swimming area is a really fun area. It's a beautiful area. Just go back and see Moose Falls. Moose Falls has got it going on. and uh, But you can go back there. And Crayfish Creek, which is the water source for Moose Falls, has thermal activity upstream, and it's warm. So it's a great area to go swimming right there. Just, you know, it's kind of out of the way, and, and it's just in an odd spot. If Crayfish Creek and Moose Falls was up there by Old Faithful, there would be 5,000 people a day stopping at Moose Falls, but there's probably less than 50 because it's just in an odd spot and, you know, very few people swim in it. But it's a great spot to swim. I've swam in it a ton of times. So, And then uh, everything else we're going to talk about is in the Beckler area. And you access the Beckler area from Ashton, Idaho, along the Flag Ranch Grassy Lake Road. And you get up to the Beckler Ranger Station and you start working on all this stuff. I did a podcast called The Zone of Death about this little area on the southwest edge of Yellowstone Park and how how you can get away with murder. There's been a, a number of books. Firefall by uh, C.J. Box wrote a book about all this stuff. That's a, It's an interesting area back there, the zone of death in Yellowstone Park. And you guys can look all that up if you want to or listen to my podcast or read that book. And the book gets a little out there in left field for me. But, uh, but anyway, the Beckler area is my favorite area in all of Yellowstone Park. It's a hiking area only. And, uh, yeah, and, and we're going to cover, like I said, everything from the distance from your car. So the first waterfall you're going to come to in the in the Beckler area is Cave Falls. Cave Falls only falls 20 feet, but your car's about 20 feet from Cave Falls as well, so it's right there. So it's easy to see Cave Falls. And Cave Falls is 250 feet wide right there. Cave Falls is beautiful waterfall right there. And there's a couple caves off to the left, and I have heard, I've not been able to do this, and I haven't dared do it, that people can have gotten behind the waterfalls and found some caves back there. I don't know about that. I'm not going to try it. It looks super dangerous to me, but that's what I have heard. But I don't know. So, all right. And so from there, uh, along that grassy lake road, the next closest to your car is Terrace Falls. And Terrace Falls, when you're walking to Terrace Falls, and Terrace Falls are gorgeous pictures of Terrace Falls in the guidebook, that's a great hike. If you're hiking in the Tetons and you want to do something different and uh, maybe something easier for the kids instead of, instead of going up and up and up into the Tetons, say you got some small kids, and I, I cover all this in the guidebook for you guys, is to get to Terrace Falls. And Terrace Falls takes you by Cascade Acres where the, the stream just spreads out and everything else. It's about a 30-minute walk. You're walking through this fern-laden forest, and it's just beautiful, and there's giant multicolored mushrooms on the trail and everything else. And you get down there to Terrace Falls, and it's got these weird rock formations, and it terraces down, just like the name says, but it drops 130 feet. Man, Terrace Falls got it going on, and hardly anybody. I've never used that trail. I've been back to Terrace Falls a dozen times, maybe more than that. And I, I've yet to see another person back there. N- never seen another person back there in my entire life. That's that's how seldom seen Terrace Falls is, but it's very easy to get to, and it's a great hike. So, all right, the next ones are all accessed all along that grassy lake road. And, you know, again, all this covered in the guidebook, and is Union Falls, 260-foot-tall Union Falls. Two, two, water, two streams meet simultaneously in midair to create... 
the largest double falls on planet Earth, and that is Union Falls, and that is the cover shot for the guidebook. And when you go see Union Falls, their Scout Creek is right there to the left, just on a little spur trail to the left, and Scout Creek's warm. It's got a little 10-foot waterfall you can right there. You can jump off this rock and get in the pool, and right there, it's about the only place in Yellowstone Park that they have an outlawed cliff jumping, and it's not really cliff jumping. You're just jumping off a rock. But uh, Ranger showed me that thing about 30 35 years ago and i've been going back there ever since so but uh, scout creek's got it going on union falls got it going on and so everything else we're going to talk about those are all along the grassy lake flag ranch road that comes basically runs along the south boundary of yellowstone park which is a gorgeous drive in its own right especially in the fall when the aspens are turning it's a beautiful drive if we're going to go down to jackson hole of the tetons from west yellowstone we will intentionally drive that grassy lake flag ranch road just to, to drive along and see all the the magnificent colors of all the uh, aspens and everything plus I mean, there's never anybody on the road anyway it doesn't take arlene any more time either so that's a great road through there the rest of these waterfalls are all accessed via hiking from the beckler ranger station and the first one we're going to talk about is the 110 foot tall dunanda falls and dunanda falls has about almost 100 degree water coming off of it it's the back cover for the guidebook. I'm going to be back there September 3rd. I got a campsite uh, reserved for September 3rd, and I'll tell you which campsite you want to get in the to, to see Dunanda Falls. And there's about six or seven hot pots at the base of Dunanda Falls. It is the the premier hot spot, hot potting spot in Yellowstone Park. And you could go behind the falls and come out the other side. It's just look at a picture of Dunanda Falls on your just Google it up. It's incredible. And right next door to Dunanda Falls. On a spur trail about 10 minutes away is the 300 foot long cascade of Silver Scarf Falls. And you can Google up Silver Scarf Falls, and Silver Scarf Falls will pop up, and you'll actually see a video of me that I shot. God, 15 years ago, it's when I didn't have gray hair, <laughs> sitting in a hot pot at the top of Silver Scar Falls. And I say something like, you hang with me, and it's uh, an adventure and all this stuff. God, that was, that was a long time ago. So, But yeah, Silver Scar Falls is right there. And then uh, off another, you know, you kind of spur off to the right, and you get into the Beckler Canyon. And I'm telling you guys, this Beckler area's got it going on. I, I, that's, that's my big hike every year is to get into Beckler somewhere. We've got two big hikes scheduled in Beckler. I'm going to hike about. 60 miles, 70 miles in about four days in Beckler this fall, and uh, I can't wait to get back in there. So, like I mentioned, the, the first waterfall you'll come to, you'll see on, on the Nat Geo map in that area, is Ozell Falls, O U Z E L, and it's 40 foot Ozell Falls. And this is one that is listed in that the book by Lee Whittlesley and those other two guys that is it's it's just almost impossible to get to i i, I mean you're going to have to swim the the beckler river which is just ice cold and get over there to that thing get back through there and, and i i i just think it it's just nearly impossible i it's just it's so hard i don't think anybody can actually get back there that, that that's when they got they got a little grief for for naming falls like this but you know it's a waterfall that's back there but you just can't get to it i mean i've looked over there and i go man how in the world are you ever going to get back there to that thing gee manatlies i mean it, it is just 
hours and hours after you cross the river of off-trail hiking just through brush and scrub over your head for hours. Yeah, there's a lot easier waterfalls to see, like right up the trail, is Colonnade Falls. It's beautiful double falls. Just Google up Colonnade Falls on your phone. The upper falls is 33 feet. The lower is 67. It's right in the Beckler Canyon. It's like you're hiking in... Olympic National Park up outside of Seattle. All these ferns are growing everywhere. These little streams and everything coming off the side of the trail. It's just unreal. It's just a beautiful area. Check it out on our our private YouTube page and see the videos we shot back there. And then right up the, the trail in about five minutes from Colonnade Falls is, is Iris Falls. And it's just unreal. And it, it's unbelievable. Then you get up to the top of, of the canyon at, up by Three Rivers Junction and there's 40-foot tall Ragged Falls back up in there. And and then at Three Rivers Junction there's Mr. Bubbles, the largest hot pot in the world. And right above Mr. Bubbles is, is Twister Falls. Tendy Falls, Gwyn Falls, Sluiceway Falls, and Wahi Falls. I mean, there's all kinds of falls up there. Like I said, there's 300 waterfalls or so in Yellowstone Park, and 140 plus are down in the Beckler region. It, it, that's where that's why they call it Cascade Corner. But that's why you also can't get in there. And first of August, the end of July, first of August is I wouldn't dare go in the hike in the Beckler area before that. You're just going to get it's in the mud. The mosquitoes are going to carry off your kids you'll never see them again so all right so with that we have covered everything on the southern end of yellowstone park and all the waterfalls through there so let's get into grand teton there's there's not a lot of waterfalls per se named waterfalls in grand teton besides Hidden Falls, which, you know, you take the ferry boat across and you go up to Observation Point and you got Hidden Falls back over there to the left right there. And, you know, and it's it's kind of hard to see. It's not that great or anything else. But if you want to get up there and see some kind of off a trail where there's no people, then you need to do the Garnet Canyon Trail. And you can kind of see Cleft Falls back in there. And Cleft Falls is really pretty. It's really cool. It's right off of the trail to the left right there. And the other thing in, in uh, the Grand Teton area is if you get all the way up to Lake Solitude, and Lake Solitude is a beautiful high mountain lake and the Tetons are back off, on the trail up to Lake Solitude, the lake has a little pour over right through there. It's a glacial lake and it's not very wide, but there's some tumbling falls that kind of zoom right by the trail right there on the way to the upper Cascade Creek area into right before you get to Lake Solitude. Lake Solitude is beautiful, you guys. I've got a, a picture in the guidebook of my family at Lake Solitude in 1922, years before Grand Teton was even named a, a national park. So it's a it's a beautiful, beautiful spot back there. Lake Solitude's got it going on. So, And uh, for those of you who want to see something a little easier, and you're down in Grand Teton, you want to see some nice cascades and everything else, just, uh, just do that Moose Wilson Road. That Moose Wilson Road that runs from the Moose Entrance just up to the ski area up there, that follows a little cascading creek up and down through there. Number of tumbling waterfalls and everything through there. It's really, really, really pretty. And then so, and with that, we've covered everything in Yellowstone and Grand Teton National Park. There's not a lot in Grand Teton as far as named waterfalls to see that are easy to get to. And so, the only other thing I wanted to add, and I kind of mentioned this at the very start, is Big Spring. And Big Springs is accessed 
If you leave West Yellowstone and take Highway 20 over towards Lake Henry's, where I grew up as a kid over there, Big Springs is back up on this loop road, and it's like a horseshoe. And you, you guys can see it. It's easy to get to. But the water from Big Springs comes from the Yellowstone Plateau. West of Old Faithful, there's this big flat area through there, and it's kind of right on the edge of the caldera, and it's real flat, and the snow just kind of congregates on top of all the lava rock and everything, where the volcano blew up 600,000 years ago. And so what happens is, is it sifts down through that lava rock and kind of gets funneled into one area, and it gets down there about a few hundred feet under the ground, and it percolates west. And it comes out in this one area called Big Springs. And literally two million gallons of water an hour bubble out of the ground right in front of you. And it's just the birth of a river. It's really an incredible spot. Big Springs has got it going on. It's in the guidebook. There's a picture of the, this little wooden bridge. You, got take, you can take a loaf of bread back there. Or they've got a little dig. You can put a quarter in to get some dog food out of there. And you throw in there. There's some monster trout in there. You can The kids can feed the fish and all this stuff. And they've got a little cabin built right in the middle of it. This little... A German immigrant called Johnny Sack, he was a midget of all things. I mean, who would have thought it? Came right there at the turn of the century in the in the 1800s and built this little weird yellow log cabin. Everything's about, the whole thing's about five feet tall tops, you know, because he was a midget. And so you, they used to have tours in there. I haven't seen him have a tour in there in a long time, but you can go over there and check and see. But Big Springs is awesome, and they... Almost, I have heard rumors or talked to people and about the the Big Springs area. Yeah, it was almost put in Yellowstone Park back in the day, but they they wanted to keep a straight line on the west side because the east side kind of went up around the Absorca Mountains and all that. They they didn't zoom over there and incorporate Big Springs into Yellowstone Park, but that it's it's cool enough to be in Yellowstone Park. It'd be a part of Yellowstone Park. Yeah, Big Springs got it going on. Anybody that's listening to this, that's in that area or or has got an Airbnb or staying in West Yellowstone. When you guys get out of the park, you can go over there and, and check out Big Springs, and, and uh, you will not be disappointed. Big Springs has got it going on. It's not a waterfall or anything else, but it's not every day you can just see the birth of a river just literally bubbling up out of the ground. There's all kinds of underwater flowers going on through there and everything else. It, it It's unbelievable. You take people over there, and they just can't believe what they're seeing. It's it's really, really, really cool. So, All right, so uh, that's it. That's the end of this podcast. It's kind of a the waterfall podcast is what I'm going to call this. And I've just had a lot of requests for me just to talk about waterfalls in Yellowstone Park. And uh, so that's what I did in this podcast. And I hope you guys enjoy it. So, And remember, if you happen to be listening to this podcast, the very first podcast you've ever listened to in your whole life, I mean, what are the odds? <laughs> Just go to our website, exploreyellowstonelikealocal.com, and you can pick up an electronic guidebook for only $11.99. It'll download instantly to your phone or device. And uh, you can get a, um, a paperback copy for $24.99. And I write a personal note to everyone who buys one and throw in a cool Yellowstone Park sticker in there for you guys as well so and everybody join that uh, explore yellowstone like a local facebook group that is just taken off like wildfire 
I think Lisa started that thing up three weeks ago. She's almost got a thousand members, and everybody's getting all this great information off of it. And you know, I talk about the road construction and how to avoid the road construction in previous podcasts. And we're talking. I got somebody that posted something the other day that said, "Man, we've uh, we avoided that road construction. We ran into some friends that went ahead and tried it, and they were stuck in their car for four and a half hours." Um, yeah, and so while we were out enjoying the park and looking at bears and all this other stuff, they're stuck in their car parked for four and a half hours. And yeah, thank God, you know, they just didn't listen. They thought they could get to Old Faithful and they're going to beat them to Old Faithful. And and they, the other family got there in an hour and a half, three hours before the uh, the family that went tried to make it from West Thumb up to Old Faithful and through all the road construction. So it's just stuff like that. And then... Where everybody saw bears, you know, recently, and you can just ask a question. You know, where, where, when's the last time anybody saw so much of bears? Where did the? You can ask the lady that's the family that saw the twelve bears. Where did you guys see those twelve bears at? And they'll pop on there and tell you. It's really cool. It's really turned into a, a really good, helpful tool for for everybody to uh, to kind of communicate with everybody and post your pictures and all that stuff. It's it's turned out to be really cool. It's really a neat deal. So everybody join that. Explore Yellowstone like a local Facebook group. Even if you know you've already been, you can post your pictures and help people out. And if somebody asks a question that you know something about, then you'll be able to answer it. And for those of you that are just getting ready to go, it will it's a, it becomes an indispensable tool that people tell you about stuff that worked in the guidebook for them and all that stuff. It's really, really neat. We had a guy post a picture of, uh, he went uh, to Wade Lake, and there's a really beautiful glacial-fed lake that's about 30-minute drive from West Yellowstone, and they went and paddled SUPs on Wade Lake, and uh, that's the first person we've had post a picture from Wade Lake this year. Wade Lake is is got it going on, but there's, you know, there's Yellowstone Park's great, but also in that guidebook, I cover everything there is to do right outside of Yellowstone Park, and that that's just another one of those things to go do, and there's some, a beautiful picture of Wade Lake over there. The water's so clear when you're paddling across it on an SUP or a, or a kayak. It looks like you're floating in midair. For somebody standing on shore watching you paddle, you know, 50 feet away, it looks like you're floating in midair. It's incredible. All right, I'll stop rambling. I just I get get going and I can't stop. <laughs> Sorry about that, you guys. So, all right, everybody have a great time in Yellowstone Park. And uh, the next podcast I do is going to be the the trials and tribulations of Mark Valet's Yellowstone Park trip. And that all happened about 20 years ago. And it is really funny. So, all right, look for that next. Talk to you guys later. Bye.